join me, Samir Vanga, and the firm Vanga Legal. In the new world of 2022, things are much different than what they were last year, or the year before. It's been an interesting ride so far, but let's remember, this is not all just about law, even though a lot of it will be, but also one more thing to keep in mind, as a disclaimer, you need to remember that this is not legal advice for you. This is very generalised, and if you do want legal advice, feel free to come to our firm, Vanga Legal, or any other firm so i should start this by saying welcome to season two it's been a belated return and season one ended in somewhat of a haste in fact there was no notice of it and i do apologize unfortunately i haven't been able to turn my mind as much as a podcast as i would have liked but that will change and this will be the first episode of season two i am likely to take more questions and topic suggestions off our followers and listeners and speak about that as the time goes on. A lot of you still done on Instagram, but I'm now going to be introducing my email. If you do have any topic suggestions and want to get in touch, that's S-A-M-I-R at B-A-N-G-A dot com dot A-U. So that's Samir at Bunga dot com dot A-U. If you want to hear any topics or hear anything discussed on this podcast, hit us up there. Chris on and we wanted to introduce a different perspective which is not just what I say as a defense lawyer and not just one side of it look the whole point of the last two years has been opening up discussions and talking about both sides one of the problems has been one side has been heavily I won't use the c word but they found it harder to speak on topics or to analyze or even critique certain information and that's the last thing we want to do now when one of the ideals I stand on or morals I stand on is to give both sides a voice and to allow both sides to speak. So Chris is a former ADF personnel, former copper, politician, current, in Senate retirement. But the big thing he introduces is the other side of the perspective. Just like us, look, I'm sure we all, we all know there's good cops, there's bad cops, there's good lawyers, there's bad lawyers, there's great politicians, not many of them, and a lot of shit politicians. So there's more than two sides to everything and i'd say there's that in between as well and a mix of everything so look chris one of the biggest issues that we see in a number of videos that we've seen in the last couple of years are about unreasonable use of force by the police first thing i'll do in a legal perspective victoria new south wales queensland all of the states are the same the amount of force that must be applied must be reasonable now the way it's legislated in victoria is a little bit different me and chris was discussing the legislation before in new south wales it's a little bit different but the underlying or the common denominator is reasonable use of force in that situation. Every situation is different. There are situations where less force is required, situations where more force is required, but it must be reasonable to that situation. Also, the offence being committed, because that's part of it as well. It's just like if a police officer decides to search you, they can't just do it for the sake of it. They have to have reasonable suspicion, and they can't just be looking at you and thinking you look a certain way. Although I'm sure several of us have complained about it before and some of us have actually faced it before. But putting that aside, unreasonable use of force, Chris, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of videos. We just spoke about the Danny Lim, the leg sweep incident. But looking, let's just point to that video first and then we'll speak more generally. Now, I've given my opinion, 70-odd-year-old dude, he was obviously given a move-on direction, which in New South Wales means he needs to leave. 
He didn't move on. I think that's clear. So, yes, he was in breach of the move-on direction. But for the police to take the action that they did, considering his age, frailty, and other issues surrounding that, was that reasonable? To me, it's a clear-cut no. Well, I would, I'm hazarding a guess, but I believe those police were probably not very experienced either. But what's your take on that? Uh, with It's hard to... So I'll play the contrarian anyway, because that's obviously why I'm here. But... I, I don't know what his history is. Um, like, is he prone to carrying weapons or whatever? Like, if he's well known to police already and he's he's known to carry scissors, knives, has syringes in his pocket or or whatever else it is, then the the perspective from them might have been that we take him to ground, search him, and then move him on. Um, that's the only sort of justification I can see. If you've got a seven year old man in general uh, going hands on would not really be a thing I'd do ever unless he had an edge weapon. So I don't, I don't know if that's what he's got um, history for. But, um, yeah, look, ours is not disproportionate to the objective. If, if I just want to move him on, it doesn't make any sense that I would, like, sweep him, put him on the ground, handcuff him, put him in a divvy van. So we do have, um, like, breach of the peace here where we can grab somebody, drive them away, and then let them out. But it's not in my best interest to injure that person on the way out. You know, like if I'm like, righto, mate, get in the back of the van. He's like, no. I'm like, okay, well, now I can use whatever force it is I need to to get him into the van. If that is then putting my hand on their shoulder. And I mean, I'm, I'm a larger person, so it's different as well. Um, for example, if you're a five foot one female and you're trying to arrest, you know, Eddie Hall, then the force that she's going to use is probably going to be, you know, like taser. Um, you know, whereas if Eddie Hall's trying to arrest a five foot, person then he would probably literally just grab, like put their put his hand on their shoulder and that person would be like you know what i don't i don't want to do anything here and i'll just leave um so that's again that's like not disproportionate to the objective is if i'm arresting him because he stabbed somebody that's quite um you know then if, if things get a lot more escalated that way it's it's different but for an old person generally when you can put your hand on their shoulder and turn them on their own and then nudge them and they start walking in that direction without being able to stop because their hips and knees don't work that well. Sweeping somebody, you know, there's a very high likelihood of injuring an old person. Like they fall down, like they step down a curb too fast and they break a leg. So, um, yeah, like I've never gone hands-on with an old person. Um, I've had to escort them out of a hospital before. Um, and then, but I've, like even, even then, I've just grabbed the bloke and spoken to him. Like as in, I've just, put my hand on his arm and I said, look, I understand where you're coming from. I said, but things are going to escalate and then you won't be able to come back. They'll ban you from the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then so he came outside because his wife had dementia and she was obviously panicking and freaking out and doing whatever, but he wasn't allowed to stay there for the night for whatever reason. Um, and then so he had to be escorted outside. And I said, mate, if you don't, if you don't leave now, you're going to get taken out and then you're going to get trespassing and they're not going to let you back on here and you won't be able to see your wife tomorrow morning. I said, so if we leave and do whatever. So, you know, but at no point did I think he was going to try and belt me or try and knock me out or whatever else it is, even though he was very heightened because his missus was going through something. Um, but at no point did I try and sweep him and arrest him and take him out. So, so Chris, what you're speaking about is communication, and that's lacking yeah. in a lot of it, not just police. Don't get me wrong. It, it's a, there's a lot of people who can't communicate. I used my example of Brunswick where I saw this bloke who was going off. Like, he must have been on a number of drugs at that point, but he also had a knife on him. He was, getting, he was going off at people on the tram. 
I ended up getting you off myself. There's a hundred other people watching. Not one person intervened at this whole time. Big guys, muscly guys of all different backgrounds. They all just sat there or drove past. It's hilarious. But what I did, I spoke. I spoke to him. And one of the biggest, one of the things that I said that actually completely changed him said, "The only people here that are going to fight are you and me. Everyone else is too. They're too much. I won't use the words that I use, but they're too scared to do it." And as soon as I said that, he laughed, and it calmed him down enough for me to then get him off the tram and for the tram to move. But communication mm. is vital. It always is. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's my job or your job. And sometimes that's what you need. But going back a few steps as well, you're playing the devil's advocate or the contrarian at this point. You're right. If he did have a knife, it changes it a little bit. But uh, in this certain case, Danny Lim's known for having A-signs or A-frames, really, really weird, interesting A-frames with all types of <laughs> language on there and funny language mm. on there. And he carries a smile as his weapon. Look, he's a pest. I don't doubt mm. that for a second. I have nothing against him, but I, I know the police see him as a pest. He's definitely well known to police. He mm. hangs around Sydney. Mm. Now, if that was someone in his 40s or 50s going around and you and he was threatening people, it's also different. But as you said, mm. if he was picked up, and it's still not going to look good if the cops picked him up and moved him out. However, mm. I even would sit there and go, look, no one likes it. I don't like the look of it, but the force is reasonable. Getting him to the ground and the way it's done was also interesting. They picked him up and put him on a chair or mm. sat him down first. There's just a number of things that could have been done. I honestly think that's inexperience, inexcusable inexperience because you're mm. dealing with someone who could have permanent injuries, but there's that side of it too. But I like what you're saying. Communication, there's, I think that's... A another issue you have is if, if, you're, if you're a larger guy and it doesn't... It's unfair because, but generally, like I have to put up with a lot more crap than other people do. Because if some some little person comes over and they're sixty kilo, and then they come over and have a go at me or whatever, and then I'm like, mate, and I put one hand on them and push them, and then they go flying backwards and they fall over, hit the back of their head, then that's no longer proportionate. You know, like if I've knocked someone out, even though I've just pushed them lightly, like you know, you don't you don't have people who are hundred kilo boxing on with people who are sixty kilos. Like there's weight divisions for a reason. So on the one hand, generally people are less likely to come up and try and assault me. But on the flip side of it, little people will come over, kick me in the shin and like spit at me, do whatever else it is, and I still have to be, you know, not disproportionate. So I still can only use as much force as that person can use on me. Um, you know, so if you've got a 70-year-old person and you've swept a leg or whatever it is, he probably didn't realise that I made it go horizontal and crack his head. You know, like what what his intent was probably just I'll take him to ground, I can cuff him, we just pick him up and move him on. Um, I've I have swept somebody's leg before. I was searching him. He said he didn't have any weapons, etc. Um, and then a hatchet fell out the back of his shorts. And don't get me wrong, should have been searched a lot better by whoever it was that put him in the back of my van because I should not have had to see a tomahawk fall out of the back of someone's pocket. But they had to fight him to get him in the van. And I was like, that's fine, but you fight him until you can search him and make sure he's clear. But anyway, he a tomahawk fell out, and I was like, obviously now I'm aware that this guy carries weapons and hasn't been searched. So I got him. Um, I opened the door. We had the spray, in to, but again, now he's cuffed, so I can't really justify spraying him anymore because he can't, you know, the, the threat he is is still I don't know what he's got, but if he's not going to comply with me, you know, but using a spray as a compliance tool isn't a thing. I can't just spray you because I want you to do what I want you to do because that's now disproportionate and it's basically torture. 
Um, so he came out of the car. I was like, I said, mate, kick that, like kick the tomahawk out. Do you have anything else? And he just smiled at me. And I was like, well, you know, what's that mean? To me, that means he does have something else and he's like, I need to try and find something. Um, and then so he basically said, why don't you come and find out, you effing pig, et cetera. And I was like, all right. Like, I don't, I don't know this bloke. So him insulting me doesn't affect me, but I know it upsets a lot of people. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny when you speak to junior coppers who for some reason take offence to some random person that you've never met before in your life having a go at you about your personal life or your sexual orientation or whatever it is that they're having a go at you about. I was like, mate, would you go to that guy for advice? I'm like, then why would you take any sort of criticism that this person's giving you? But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's ego. Um, but then so I got him and then um, I pushed him up against the wall, but then he kept trying to cow kick me. Um, and then he kept trying to turn and trying to spit at me and he was laughing and he goes, I've got two knives, I've got a syringe and I've got whatever else it is and I dare you to put your hand in and find it. He's like, I've got this, this, this and this disease, I dare you to try and find one of my needles. So then he was already cuffed, so I held his arm, I kicked his legs out, he went sideways and then I lowered him onto the ground. Like he didn't crack his head, it was all under camera in the um, sally port where we arrest him. Um, my offsider was, um, he went, oh, 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 I didn't get involved in that. I was like, okay, no dramas. If he wants to go to court about it, I'm quite happy to explain why I've done it. Put him down, did find two more knives, found a syringe, and then found a bunch of drugs. And obviously that is one of the worst searches I've had for someone to put him in the back of my van. You know, look, that should have been done before it was on there. But, um, you know, that used to force somebody from outside that didn't know the conversation that I was having with him, didn't know that, we'd seen a you know, tomahawk fall out and that he'd already said he had multiple weapons, would probably say that was disproportionate. Um, but, you know, if it went to court, which it obviously didn't because nobody had an issue with it, um, I would have explained it that that's exactly why I did what I did because it was safer yes. for me and everyone in the area to do it. Well, you're but he was also it. younger than me, a stocky, drunk unit who was known to carry weapons and assault police multiple times. So, you know, there's... Your justification for force starts a long time before you go there if you know who that person is. Well, exactly. But that, I completely agree with that. If this person is known to police with a history and a history of assault police, resist arrest, you automatically then know, or at least the officer does, the external person doesn't, that mm. person's more likely to carry on or do something towards police. Flip side of that is people who get in trouble with the police a lot who shouldn't, who are unreasonably mm. searched, they don't like police either and they'll probably treat them in the same way. So now you have a bit of an issue too because one person's just a fuck with it. The other person genuinely doesn't like police because the way they've been searched. I mean, I can too. My, I'll really summarise this, but one incident here where I was pulled over for no reason whatsoever, and I was a lawyer, it was only a few years ago. The cops did not give me a reason as to why they pulled me over, and I told them, you need to tell me why you pulled me over. You should have just fucking said you're breath testing me because I have to shut up because you're allowed to. But they didn't. The idiot didn't even do that. He was really rude. I told him to turn his body on camera on. I had a friend in the car and we started filming. Long story short, my wallet's in the back of the car and I told him that he was just carrying on, blah, blah, blah. Let's just say started off with one cop car, ended up with three or four. They did not give me the reason, regardless of how many times I said it, as to why they pulled me over. And they didn't actually. I saw them following for two kilometres and I pulled myself over because I was sick of it. And But I did say, why did you pull me over? I knew what was going on. By the end of it, he said, oh, there was a car matching a car matching a description that was reported stolen, which he should have said from the get-go the first time. 
it's not a fancy car. It's not a Porsche, not a drug dealer's car. It's just a standard Skoda at that time. It was a dad car, as close to a dad car as you're going to get. Nothing mm-hmm. special about it. And the only risk that I could see, I was, I was still in a suit because this was literally after court, early evening. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And he had multiple offices. There were more stuff. There was more things done, which I won't, I won't say in public, but I'll tell you in person at some point, including use of certain weapons. Not use of, but the threat of use of certain weapons against me. That was shocking. And that I am very, very sure that was racial profiling to a big extent. But putting that aside, in the end, they let me go. Nothing happened. I didn't complain about it. I spoke to a few of my colleagues at the time. I was a bit younger, and they said to let it go. I regret not complaining about it because I should have. I've probably still got the part of the video somewhere. And that's just that's my story. And I know mm-hmm. people have had a lot worse. And I've had more than that. I've been, I've had more than that myself. That's just one of the ones that stick out because there was absolutely no reason for it. None. Zero. And the fact that the police have to tell you why they pulled you over, at least be of, I don't know, use your head and say, we're doing a random breath test because they're allowed to. They can do mm-hmm. a random breath test whenever they want. And he didn't even do that. So automatically mm-hmm. the whole search or the whole incident was unlawful. But that's my bad for not doing anything about it. The if you're speaking to some people, right? So, say for example, they got uh, intel that a Skoda with two blokes in suits was getting around, and there's a firearm under the front seat. Um, then that would be why they would follow you for a while until they can get enough cars there to sort something out, or they might be having, um, you know, I don't know what it is, TOU or whoever it is up in in Sydney might be coming. Um, they're not going to tell you that because if you if they Tell a bloke that they know that he's got a shooter in the car. He's the guy in the car is far more likely to take off. He's more likely to grab it and take it off, etc. Um, but the easiest thing I find is you actually explain to people why you're doing what you're doing. They just look. They don't have to like it, but they're just like, look, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. But it's also if you're searching someone, you are, you know, like you're using powers that have been given to you by the state and the community to to do your job. But that doesn't mean you can. You just run amok with it. Um, well, again, in that situation, then if you you don't say it, I agree, but you say I'm mm-hmm. giving a random breath test because I have to stop. He has to do mm-hmm. it. You can then do a test as well. That's open slather. Every state in Australia, mm-hmm. as soon as you say breath test random, there is nothing yep. I can do, even mm-hmm. if it's because I'm Indian. Well, you, can, you, can re- you can refuse it in, Australia, um, in Victoria. You just lose your licence for two years automatically. Oh, you can... You can refuse it here. So if you refuse it in New South Wales, mm. it becomes it's the same as a high range reading. So yeah, it's an automatically lost. It's an automatic loss of two years where we are. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Look, the 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 drama is. I find with a lot of people when you like people dress a certain way, you know, like when you are looking like a stereotype. You know, like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, black, Arab, whatever it is. If you're dressing like a gangster, acting like it, and doing whatever, you're going to be treated like one, um, which you may or may not disagree with. But if I have somebody who's cranking tunes with, you know, F the police, and they've got a bum bag on, and they're wearing red shoes or whatever, you know, like you know, they're, they're dressing a certain way, they've got tattoos like, you know, F the FTP on their forehead or whatever it is. Like I'm going to assume you're not on my side, which means I'm going to be more, um, you know, more defensive, more prone to think that why is he, you know, what's he got in that bag? Like there's either drugs, um, there's, you know, there might be a glass pipe in there, there might be a weapon or like this guy 
just his body language, his everything about him screams he's probably more likely to be a risk to me than someone else is. So people need to also take on board that if you dress like a gangster, you will be more likely to be treated like a gangster. Whether you think that's right or wrong is another one, but it's you've got to come from a place with a police where if you want to be a mad drug dealer, drive a white Toyota Camry, wear normal clothes from Kmart, and be very polite to police. You can move kilos of coke. There's your heads up. <laughs> There's no. a pretty, pretty <laughs> uh, metaphors on this and comparisons. You, you look at the Asian drug dealers and the Lebanese drug dealers and which ones do it better. The Asians do drive the old Toyota Corolla or Toyota Camry mm-hmm. in their average clothes and they're, they're making a shit ton of money and then you have the Porsches and the uh, – this is yeah. a massive stereotype and I hope no one gets offended. But, you know, yeah, that, yeah, there is that. that stereotype definitely goes around even in the legal fields as well that mm-hmm. you have these very – these drug dealers that just drive standard things, they will – They'll have to they'll wear the cheapest clothes. They'll just act like a completely mm-hmm. blase. And then you'll have these others that are just more arrogant, more self-confident, and do it in a completely, completely different way. But the point you raised, going back to clothes, number one, law, lawfully, or in law, I'd say that's not right. You can't do it. But at the same time, when you look at personal experience and the experience mm-hmm. of a police officer in me, the likelihood is going to be higher. Racial profiling is, I don't know what you'd call, uh, how, what would you do it? Uh, fashion profiling at that point or a bit of a mix, racial and fashion profiling. But you're right, mm-hmm. if you're playing these tunes, you're it's, it's basically stereo- It's stereotyping, but then the people who have used it to make money out of it in court, like people like yourselves who use it as, an, as a, a defence to get away with things at certain times, is like if you hadn't have been racially profiling my person, um, then you wouldn't have done that search in the first place. So that's an illegal search, regardless of the fact that I profiled them because they had a big clock around their neck like Flavor Flav and they were giving me the finger and wearing, you know, Spurs outfits and doing whatever else it is, you know, like dressing like the stereotype of a drug dealer. And then you're like, yeah, but you also did that because he is black or he's Lebanese or he's whatever else it is. And that's a that's an easy out for you guys. So regardless of whether the fact that I'm doing it, but again, that would probably come through with how the, the police person described what they were, like why they made their assumption. If they just went, oh, I'd search him because he was black, then you'd be like, man, come on now. Point. You're basically giving it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like whereas if I was like, well, his demeanour was he was walking, you know, I don't know, he was walking with a limp like he was trying to be a gangster and then, you know, he had, um, you know, he had a bum bag on which I know in my history is more likely to be somebody who's carrying who's dealing drugs or doing whatever else is like bikies wear the same bag across the front i'm sure you probably got one um (laughs) (laughs) but um you know like if if you if you're dressing a certain way like you see in um you know rap videos or whatever else it is versus if you're dressing i don't know like brad pitt and moneyball you you can you can be it doesn't matter what color skin you are if you dress a certain way yeah, there's plenty of white guys in cryo over in you know where I am in Geelong that dress like gangsters. Nothing to do with the skin colour. It's all to do with the stereotype you're dressing like. But I'm sure there's a lot of coppers who can't explain that and then get caught up with saying a random line that then gets used as clickbait to then be, well, that cop is racist, and then they kick him out. You know, yeah, like Chris, you- that kind of is showing that automatically, isn't it? Because they can't explain why they did it. So that automatically then is showing that they did it for the wrong reason, even though the results might be right. 
I should also tell people that in court, both magistrates' courts and local courts, depending on what state you're in, they have the discretion to admit evidence regardless, even if it's obtained unlawfully. They can do it. I just can't remember the section on the top of my head. It might be 136 New South Wales. But basically a court or a magistrate can still say, even though that's why it started, they've found this, so the probity value is better than the prejudicial value, and I'll allow it in. Same as in Victoria. So don't think they get out of jail for his heart sometimes. It isn't. The copper comes and says, oh, yeah, that guy was black. I mean, fuck, at that point, it's endgame. I get it. But if the copper said, explains it a bit better, says this guy looked at me in a weird way, and then he looked, he looked like he was about to run. I saw his, uh, this limp all of a sudden became, his limp disappeared and he was about to run. And he's, uh, I don't know, just his strides got bigger. Mm. It comes down to reasonable suspicion because then what Chris is talking about there is, does the officer have reasonable suspicion? Just clothes, just skin isn't. But the demeanor of that person putting the finger up, telling the cops you're a fucking gronk or you're a fucking pig, I want to slaughter you, stuff like that, even though... Swearing at the cops isn't illegal directly, but when you add that all up, then that can form reasonable suspicion, which is what they'll then, they should be saying anyway, when they're coming to arrest you or search you. But uh, some cops obviously don't have that down pat. But do you, do you not find that that's interesting in itself, that you can swear at cops, but I can't swear at you? No, cops can swear at us. You can swear at us too. It's the, it's the level of it. I've had cops say very nasty things to my clients and magistrates don't care. They just take it in the head of the moment. Look, cops are, cops are people, right? And if, yeah. I'm, go, if I'm going off, you're going, you're a fucking this, you're a fucking that, and you just go, fucking shut up, you dickhead, or fucking shut up, you're fucking annoying. There's nothing wrong with that. Number mm. one, the F word's not even considered a profanity these days anyway. There's worse words than that. But no, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you came in straight away and you said, you're a fucking idiot, I pulled you over because you're driving a fucking lunatic. That changes but, everything. But see, personally, I don't feel like you. If you're doing that as a cop, I feel like you've you've lo- you've already lost. You know, like. Um, but it, it, I understand where they're coming from. If you've had a crappy day at home, your kid hasn't been sleeping, you haven't done whatever else it is, some bloke just starts swearing at you out of nowhere. Like I get why they just swear back at them. But for me, I like to talk quieter or just go, mate. Like, why are you yelling? I don't understand. Like. You know, it, I mean, it's also petty because I'm obviously doing it for a reason. But it's, um, you know, like the nicer you are to somebody when they're trying to swear at you, it's really hard for them to do it. And it's really hard for someone who's trying to wind themselves up because you can see it sometimes where they're obviously trying to roll themselves up to go hands on with you or they're trying to stir you up so you started or whatever else it is. Um, and you can just see them getting into a, like they're winding themselves up, getting ready to do something. And it's, you know, and that's where as junior members, they just get intimidated. Because assault isn't just when you... Like, you don't have to hit someone for it to be assault. If somebody is in fear, you know, and I think that's another thing where people don't understand with assault police. Everyone's like, oh, they're just, just a charge you throw on there. And I get where they're coming from with that because they're like, well, I, I never raised a hand on that person. And it's like, if you go up to a, you know, a five-foot-four copper who's there and you're like, you're like piss off, pig, I'm going like, to punch your head in or whatever it is, you've already assaulted them if they feel in fear. So, and that's that's one thing I think people need to understand as well, that assault doesn't have to mean you've hit them. No, correct. So assault actually ends as battery. Battery is the old term for the physical force. So assault can be words as long as that person's in imminent fear. That's right. And that's why assault's used because it comes as a bunch of things. You can spit not even directly at someone just next to them with the intention of intimidating them. That could be an assault as well. If I smash, if you're here next to me and I know I want to freak you out and I bang this table as hard as I can, 
I mean, it's not chargeable assault, but it's technical assault. Mm. Potentially, imminently put you in fear for that very, very, very small amount of time, a second of time. So that's right. Assault's broader than most people realise, and that's actually a really good point. Words can be an assault. You can assault with words. And I think partly it comes to the intention in that case as well. And where I think we get it wrong, and this is not just, this is just generalised, is when both parties are yelling at each other and assaulting each other verbally, how the hell can you say one's assaulting the other when they're both doing it? Or if this relationship, they both call themselves a C word, you're a fucking this, you're a fucking that. That's just how they speak because that might be their background or how they've been raised. Mm. That's normal for them. We can't not then say, oh, they're assaulting the other person or this is wrong or this is whatever it is because that's just how they've been raised, unfortunately. And that's normal for them. And I think that's where we also get it wrong. The law gets it wrong, quite frankly. This isn't on cops or anything. This is where the law misses out because some people are raised very, very differently. And I don't think you can change someone that the F word is there. The F word's just as common as saying water or as common as saying hi in their language and all of a sudden say, get rid of it. It just isn't going to happen. Oh, mate, when I, I used to have to drive home from Townsville on my leave from Army because everybody that I spoke to was a C like whether you were a, a, a good C or a bad C, <laughs> like every, like you know, I'd come home if I caught a plane home and my mum picked me up. I had a potty mouth that I had a lot of soap in my mouth at times, <laughs> you know. And but the thing is, you know, it's the tone that you use as well. It's not just the words anymore. So like if people are swearing, it doesn't doesn't affect me. They're, they're just words. I don't know when it changed from sticks and stones or break my bones with names and never hurt me. But whatever they're doing now, where they're they're getting really young people out of um, out of school, coming straight in to be coppers. Um, they've never done any sort of martial art or any sort of um, self defence or ever done or even done Thai bow or whatever. Like they, they haven't done any of these things. They go to an academy that's very risk averse, um, where you're not allowed to swear at them anymore. And you know, and then the first time they go out to some commission housing, like swearing is every third word. It doesn't actually mean they think you're a bad person. That's just how you talk. And that's a generalisation as well. Like public schools do it, you know. I'm sure there's probably private school kids that talk that way as well. But, um, you know, you're not allowed to swear at people. And then you've got now where because the fitness standards are so low, anybody can – you can be 65 and retired from another career now and become a policeman. And then – so, but now because there's people like that at the academy, you can't hit a bag more than 20%. So the first time you're ever going to go really hands-on is with somebody who's probably ice-affected, a large islander, Who's really gonna? Who's gonna make an embarrassment out of you if you're if you've just come out of high school and you you know you weigh all of sixty kilos, like some hundred and twenty kilo Islander is smoking a pipe, he's gonna use some choice cuss words and he's gonna pick you up and throw you over your car if he wants to. Um, so like we're, I think we're really setting our police up for failure with the fitness standards and the lack of like our, our massive amount of risk averse. Like we're not allowed to spray coppers, so the first time they know about the spray is when they spray someone else. And then it bounces back on them, or a junior copper who isn't really paying attention and just sprays in the general vicinity because they got scared ends up spraying you because you're wrestling that crook already. And then you know the first time you know about it's when you get sprayed, and then you're now you start panicking, and now you've got a, a person who's young, panicking, not fit, never been in a confrontation before, and they can't see, and they have access to a taser and a firearm. You know, like I think we're doing a, a drastic disservice to our junior members by not. I feel like we're setting a lot of them up for failure, to be honest. We're doing a service to the country, straight up. 
Mm. I, this this defund the police thing is absolute bullshit. It still is bullshit and always will be. Mm. We need better resourced, better trained, and better experienced police. Police shouldn't become. There should be an age limit for police, a minimum mm. age. It shouldn't be like even twenty one. I think is probably a bit young, but it shouldn't be any less than that. There are no way in this world there should be nineteen year old police officers. Too malleable. They're not ready. They they haven't got their own lives on track, let alone starting to control or being able to put restrictions on other people. They're not ready for it. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, you learn a lot on the job. And a lot of if you for bad cop is teaching other cops what's going to happen. You're going to get more bad cops. So mm-hmm. the people that are lucky who have learned from the right people are going to be brilliant cops. And the people who haven't, they're stuffed. Training shouldn't be three months or six months. Training should be a lot longer and it should be ongoing, which I was just telling Chris about before. It should be persistent training. Life experience is huge, but then again, that example you raised of a 65-year-old person who retires and comes into the police force, that's probably too much life experience at that point. Maybe just look for a different profession altogether. But if you're going to come into the police, you need some life experience. I'm not saying that you need to be academically perfect by any means. We don't need that. But you need to have some sort of sense. You need to be have some sort of intellect to be able to do it because you're making decisions in the heat of the moment that take skill. And that take a bit of experience. Like if you make the wrong decision, everything's gone. You fuck up. You could fuck up someone else's life if not yours. And mm. I don't want to see 18, 19, 20-year-old cops. I really don't. And maybe you can put them into training at that point, have them ready after 20. I don't know. I don't know how the perfect system. Yes, it might be expensive, but who cares? We need the police. And people are going to, some people don't like what I say, but we need police. We're not in a perfect world. You know that, I know that. If it was, neither of us would need to do our jobs right now, right? Simple. Mm-hmm. So we don't, and people need to get that. There are some areas that have less crime than others. Great. But that doesn't mean even in those areas you can't deal with that police. What happens when you have a domestic violence incident or La Perouse or I don't know what your fancy areas are down there in Victoria right off the top of my head, but what happens then? You still call the cops. You still get the cops involved if you're getting beaten up by your partner. You still need cops for that, and that's mm-hmm. a very prestigious, wealthy area. You still have family breakdown city. You still have family violence. You still have you still have drugs in those areas. In fact, they get away with them more, arguably. But you also have mm-hmm. violence in those areas too. So I think people need to rethink police, rethink what's going on. But something we need to touch on later, because this is a huge topic in itself, Chris, is the image that we now have of the police. That is a problem, mm-hmm. and that is something that is – partially self-driven look not every cop is bad a number of officers for example in victoria were they protested by not going or not serving Mm. on the rallies or the saturdays they purposely stayed away from it no one seems to get that i know police officers are telling me that's how they did it they stayed away from the protest because they they thought the protests were okay Mm. so why should they be lumped up with everyone else and again even some of the officers there they were probably not there for the wrong reason some of them were treated badly. Some of them were fucking there for, there for violence, actually, and I'm sure some of them were there for the wrong reasons. I don't have percentages of this. I don't think anyone ever will. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you some of the evidence where I'm counting some of the cases we've had has shown some pretty interesting... Look, let's just say the terrorism forces were involved when it comes mm-hmm. to both Victoria and New South Wales and I'm sure the other states, which is a bit extreme, but at that point, I guess there was a lack of terrorism around so they devoted their forces to this so there were a lot of blame 
around. There was surveillance. There was facial recognition for those people who have asked me before. Yes, that was being used. And I have that information from other cases. I can't say exactly what I have, but I can tell you in my experience, that was all there. Whether that's right or not, it's a different story. Should we have organised it better, COVID or not? Yes, I think we should have. And I think it could have been handled very, very differently. But unfortunately, across the country, we had idiots at the helm who didn't want to. And they were just out to, oh, you don't listen to us. You're not going to stay home and lock down. Well, we'll smash you and we'll teach you a lesson. Mm. And that was wrong. That was, um, it looked very much, I don't know how it was in other states, um, but in Victoria, it seemed very much like as soon as you were had a dissenting point of view, they would whack you as hard as they can to deter anybody else from doing it. Um, you know, because like, the, the biggest issue they would have had was if everybody had decided, you know, like how the CF, CFMEU took a while to come out, and it wasn't until they come after them, and then, you know, police are like, oh, it wasn't until the police got mandated, and they mandated it in different small groups every time. So they only upset a smaller amount of people every time. By the And then by the end of it, you know, like when the CFMEU were involved, and I saw one thing, um, I think Arvi was speaking to some bloke, and he said, I am really sorry that we didn't stand up when they came for the rest of you, because if we'd stood up together, it would have made a difference. And, like, protesting in general doesn't, realistically, it doesn't do much. Um, you know, like, it's, it's great. It's a great perception that we have the right to do stuff. I mean, in Victoria, they even took away your right to protest. But, um, you know, like, protesting, if you had 500,000 people protesting, if instead you had decided to um, come together and form a political party and you put, you know, if you had 500,000 people surely you could get a candidate for every region and start your own party and, you know, do things. Like if you had 500,000 people handing out flyers, putting out poor flutes, doing whatever else it is, you don't have the money to do things. You know, like I, I don't have the money to compete, right, for example. I know I'm getting into politics now, but people need to realise that politics affects the laws. They write them. So if you think you don't care about politics but then you hate the police, you hate the police because of the laws they're enforcing a lot of the time. Sure, there's... There's coppers that are individual dickheads, um, you know, and you get that anywhere. You also have good coppers who have bad days. You have bad coppers who have good days, and, you know, you, you, you get them on different times. Um, you, you'd like to think that coppers were a bit less human, I guess, so that they could be above board and do whatever, but that's when you get highway patrol who they rock up and then, you know, they give you a ticket when you're crying and, you know, you've had a bad day or whatever and, you're not, and they're just robots and they just go, I don't care, mate. I hear this story all day, every day. Your story may be true, may not be true. I don't care. Here's a ticket, you know, like, and then now you, now you hate them for being robots. So there's not, you know, a lot of the time there's no, there's no clear cut way on doing it. But like protesting, if you actually organise yourselves to do something and actually make a change, like you look at the Teals, you look at the Greens, they are full of protesters who have been doing climate change stuff for ages and they've got people into parliament now. They now have a voice at the table and they can do certain things. So instead of, walking up and down the streets and upsetting everybody else and pissing them off for whatever cause it is you're doing, you could actually make change by getting into government. But they would, the government would rather watch you protest out the front than actually do something about it because the system isn't rigged yet. It's just the game is not being played under the same rules. That's pretty much how I can see well, it at the moment. The power is with the government at that point and they made the mandates and directions that stopped people leaving their houses. We can argue tooth and nail about is a mandate or a direction law. Arguably it's not. 
but it doesn't matter. It's enforceable. That's what people need to actually look at. Forget whether it's law or not. Who fucking cares? Mm. It was enforceable. And unfortunately, to this date, it's been found to be enforceable and our constitution hasn't done shit. So forget that. Make better laws. The pandemic mm. laws are wrong. I think the Health Act was used way too broadly and I think the interpretation of it, in my opinion, wasn't correct, but that's what we have. So you're right. We need to change it and there needs to be the right people changing it. Dan Andrews ain't going to change it. Why the hell would he? He loves it. And in mm. fact, he's got another term out of it. So, I mean, for him, what we've done is tick off what he's done. So, mm. look, agreed in terms of, I think protesting does play a part, but it's the way it's done. And protesting, we're not great at protesting in Australia either. One of the longest protests, for example, in India against the Modi government, that was 500 and something days, a year and a half, and then finally they gave up in Australia. And those people copped a lot as well. I'm not mm-hmm. saying everyone here can do it. I'm not saying that uh, we did the wrong thing here because I get why people protested. And, well, I support their right to do so, but you're right. It doesn't necessarily change things. And the bigger protests don't change things. And really, unless everyone gets on board and the media then jumps on the board of these protests, they won't change things. The BLM was a different protest. The media was basically supporting it. You have these protests and the media was lying about the number of people that were there, three or 4,000 yeah. people. It was clearly more. I'm not mm. saying there were seven. I don't know. More than three or four. Anyone with fucking half a brain knows that. So let's be realistic about this too. So I agree with you there, Chris. There's other ways to do it. And again, I'm not a strategist, so it's not my area of expertise, but I can say that protests don't necessarily always make a difference. And if they do, it's longer term. We ain't going to get a revolution in Australia, no matter how many people keep saying that that should come across. It's not going to happen. Some people say there's this other old constitution hiding. If it is, I don't know about it. Maybe I'm shit at my job if that's the case, but I don't know. (laughs) What we have from 1901, and people need to remember the constitution was put in place for trade. That's it. That's basically it. We don't have an American-style constitution which came out of a revolution and a war with the British. We were basically given sovereignty effectively. Sovereignty is not the right word, but we were given the land to govern, and then we came up with a constitution that allowed the trades, the states to trade, and WA was late to the party because they were so arrogant, and they still do the same thing. Nothing's exactly changed in WA. So, guys, let's be realistic about the Constitution here as well. That's my opinion. Others have a very different opinion. And part of it comes down to interpretation. So if we have law that's harder to interpret in a different way, for example, and there was a concrete right to these protests, for example, then people wouldn't have been charged and arrested over it either. But we don't. And unfortunately, it wasn't. There was no clear-cut guarantee. Did anything else you want to say before I ended up? With protesting, like I don't want people to say, I'm saying give up on protesting because it's a waste of time. I just think you need to be better about how you're protesting yourself. Like if you glue yourself to the ground, no, like no one cares. All you're doing is pissing people off trying to get home from work. So it's like if you actually want to start making change, don't upset the people that you want to bring attention to. If you can, you know, there's, so for example, um, I think it's Tibetans that do these protests and they will literally get like a 1,000 people to sit in a park quietly and they will play relaxing tunes, people flock to that to go, what is going on over there? If you glue yourself to the ground in the middle of an intersection on a Friday afternoon when people want to get home, they're yelling at the police to kick the crap out of you. You know, it's, it's, it's a vastly different outcome. But realistically, if you use so, your social media to, you know, get a, get a voice out there where we're like, hey, I don't like 
you know, I don't like what, I don't know, Tesla or, you know, Balenciaga or whoever it is are doing, if everybody goes on Google and gives them a bad review, it will do more damage to them than you gluing yourself to a road. Or if everybody goes and says, hey, this is what these guys are doing in Bangladesh, everybody boycott whatever brand it is and don't do it. Like if you hurt them monetarily, it's a massive difference, um, you know. And then and realistically with protesting against the government, if you support whoever is in opposition to the government or somebody else who you want to get behind and you donate time instead of money to help them out doing whatever, that will do a lot more than gluing yourself to a road wheel. No, I agree. No, that's a good point. And that, the climate change protest where they closed off the tunnel here in Sydney, I think it was, it was that's not exactly going to win you any friends and especially I believe that was peak hour traffic too. So I, I agree with you because at that point you're looking at the people you're trying to whose minds you're trying to change and if you alienate them, how's that going to work? That's a very valid point and that should actually be discussed a little more too. All right, Chris, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do more of these shortly. We've missed a couple of topics, but we'll deal with that later. It tells you how big a topic unreasonable force can be. Yep. Cool. All right, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. I'm going to end this by basically giving you an avenue to get in touch with me if you want to hear about any particular topics or if you have any suggestions. Get in touch with me at Samir, S-A-M-I-R, at banga.com.au. So that's Samir at B-A-N-G-A.com.au. That's the email address I'm going to use for this podcast and people to get in touch. So I will hear from you shortly.